tū ki runga, tū ki raro, tū ki whea whea, tū ka hakuputaina ki te whaiau, ki te ao marama, oi oi, oi oi a maitato ki o haumi e, hui e, tai ki e. This week on The Hui. Looks like cyclone-damaged homes and marae in Hawke's Bay will have to rebuild elsewhere. But what will this mean for the Hokaino? And Fano in South Auckland are learning how to make tasty takeout meals at home. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Oh, hello. They're sustainable, healthy, and kind on the pocket too. Helping people understand things are cheaper if you do it like this. Plus, we meet one of the wahine behind Māori Girls Skate, a movement to encourage more Māori girls to give it a go. I want to do more events. I just want to get as much skating out in the community as possible. Parikauana ngā taipari ataka tumu te tangata ki te pō ngā mate o te wā haramai haere. Tātou kei te pito orati hewa Māori ora and welcome back to the hui. The devastating impacts of Cyclone Gabriel were plain to see for many throughout Aotearoa. But they were particularly evident in Te Tairawhiti and the east coast and Te Matua Māui, Hawke's Bay. Those impacts are still keenly felt with some hapū now in the position of having to consider moving marae, urupā, wahitapu to new locations to protect communities and whānau. Joining me now is the chair of Ngāti Kahungunu Iwi Incorporated, Baden Barbae Te Tukumata o Kahungunu Thank you so much for your time. Let's start, and we've got a bit of time, so I want to try and really delve into this. What for you is the biggest need now? Uh, we have whānau still living at Marae. So we need housing. Um, Fano have been dislocated and, and relocated to other locations. So uh, rebuilding communities, getting housing up and, and, and going, uh, getting our Fano back into their kura. Uh, we have schools that have been uh, relocated. So uh, the rebuild is a lot of work to be done, um, but certainly um, coming into winter, it's important that Fano are in housing, warm. Safe. Let's get to housing then and let's follow up on that point. Is there enough housing stock available and good land and safe land available to be able to put those houses on? So uh, Hawke's Bay's been in a housing crisis before the cyclone. Yeah, so this is uh, uh, really uh, put, put the, the heat on our ability to, to house our people. Uh, we, we do have uh, land. Um, councils have land. And what we're saying is, uh, let's work with, with iwi, mana whenua, hapu, uh, to get our whānau, with par in, in partnership, uh, to get our whānau housed. Um, you know, they have serviced um, uh, sections. Um, we're one of the, the four iwi housing prototypes. It just makes a lot of sense to work together. What about the resource, sir, from the government to be able to enable that to occur? There's lots of money that came in from the budget, allocated millions mm. to the region. How confident are you that that will get to where it's needed and required most? It's the big uh, part, though. You know, we, um, we need to get that money to our whānau ASAP. Uh, we understand that there's a government process, that they have uh, government agencies that uh, basically are fund holders. Um, our kōrero to them is uh, work closely with iwi, hapu and marae. Uh, otherwise, uh, there's a risk of that money being held up in uh, bureaucracy, uh, red tape. Uh, we need it out there with the whānau. So 
Let me put the question then to this way. Has the money started flowing out to where it's required now, or are you still waiting for things to happen? We're, we're, we're still waiting for the, the billion uh, dollars that was uh, announced in, in the budget. Uh, we, we have accessed 15 million through TPK um, that was announced uh, by uh, Minister Jackson in Hawke's Bay uh, during the, you know, the, the response. Uh, but in terms of the, uh, the fulsome amount of the budget, uh, we're still waiting for that detail. So at the moment, are you, is the iwi being asked to fill in, I guess, to fill in that Article 3 line where the Crown is still waiting for its processes to, un to be undertaken? Are you at the moment, is the iwi at the moment being asked to step in and fund so that things can get moving already? Uh, we've, we've, been, we've just taken that roll up. Um, our iwi, our taiwhenua, our PSGs, post-settlement governance entities, have just filled the gaps. Um, but we know uh, a billion dollars has been promised. Um, we, need, uh, we need to fix our infrastructure, mm -hmm. we need housing, we need, to, um, we need to support some of the whānau that have just been told, uh, you know, the category three, two or one. Um, there's a lot of work to be done and we really need the, that, uh, uh, that those funding streams to be accessible quickly, uh, especially uh, by our people. So are you part of the conversations now already? Is that happening? Yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah no, we, we, we've, we've been working, working with our, our uh, local government uh, partners, all of the mayors, uh, in, a, in a, um, a collective agreement arrangement. Uh, we call that Matariki, mm -hmm. and uh, that is a vehicle uh, for our regional recovery. Um, however, uh, we, we, need to, um, we need to align that uh, with central government uh, to ensure that central, local government, iwi and uh, local uh, hapu representatives are working together. So let's talk about the land classifications and the announcements that were made about a week ago mm. now. Were you involved at any stage in that process before they were announced? So I'm on the, the National Task Force mm -hmm. for the recovery. So um, in terms of uh, policy settings, uh, we've been, uh, I've been involved in, in some of that work. In terms of the classification of particular parts of our rohe, um, no, no. So we, we found out along with everyone else uh, when, when that was announced and uh, saw the maps along with everyone else and uh, had all the questions as did everyone else, our whānau. So when there were decisions made about ta tangoyo, for, for example, mm. where other properties not far from Tongoyo and Morai and that community were classified as level two point whatever and Tongoyo's in level three. Were you sitting there scratching your head going, how did this happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. We had direct questions to uh, regional council and district council as uh, um, so uh, we were told they're provisional. Um, a couple of days' time, those will be finalised. Uh, but our clear message was, hey, we should have been part of that discussion uh, before these maps came out. So uh, you will be a part of the map review process? But we've those... asked to be, we've asked to be. Uh, we've, we've put a, a specific tunnel to our uh, regional representatives to say, uh, we should have been there earlier, we need to be there from this point onward. Can I talk to the wider issue, because there's implications there as well, around emergency response, in mm. particular uh, civil defence. So civil defence legislation at the moment, there's no provision for Māori. You were doing emergency responses throughout the process during the cyclone itself. What would you like to see change? We've been very clear uh, that we, we're not part of the existing or the past uh, legislation. Uh, I put in a, uh, a word search, iwi, Māori, karakau. 
we need to be there. Uh, we were first responders to our people. Uh, we, yeah, I mean, uh, iwi, hapu, marae were a huge part of the response, uh, and that cannot be overlooked. Uh, so we need to be part of uh, any future uh, kōrero. Uh, as a treaty partner, uh, we should have been there in the first place. There's also, as a result of the impacts and the effects that Fano are dealing with now, the long term. Mm. How concerned are you about the long term impacts of Saka and Gabriel and what Fano are going through now and the build up, as you say, to winter now, the long term impacts of what they've seen and felt? Yeah, I, I think that's got to have an impact on uh, Fano Oranga, Oranga Hinengaro, Oranga Fano, um, making sure that our kids are back into the routine, going to school. Um, being in good housing, and uh, at the moment um, we, we are falling short, um, but we are working with whoever we can work with uh, to ensure that uh, those, those gaps are, are plugged up. Um, probably long term, and, and, you know, this isn't a sprint, it's a marathon, it's going to take uh, quite a while to get to, the, get to the bottom of it. We've got uh, infrastructure uh, needs that are going to take a long time to, to correct. Um, just having a bridge to Wairo has been a huge um, achievement, mm. um, but uh, we need to house a, a thousand people that are either in uh, level two, category two, another 250 that are in category three. So um, there's a big uh, workload in front of us. Baden Baba, Chair of Ngāti Kahungunu, Iwi Incorporated. Tēnā koe. Tēnā koe. Whaewahi mai koe ki a matui tēnā koe. Ke taunga mana ki tanga i kākoe. Baden Baba is, I say, the Chair of Ngāti Kahungunu, Iwi Incorporated. Whae muri i ngā whakamatuatanga e te Iwi Kaoro, nui tātou ki ngā mahi whakarawora tāata mā te kai haora. After the break, on our hui, healthy home-cooked meals with Papatuanuku Kōkiri Marae. Huia, huia, tui, tui, mai ki hui. Something special has been cooking in a farakai in Tamaki Makoto, hoping to better educate Fano on making healthy meals at home that won't break the bank. Mangere's Papa Tuanuku Kokiri Marai has teamed up with a TV chef for the trial program that also aims to be environmentally sustainable. We sent our reporter Ruani Pereira along for a taste test. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Oh, hello. It's a community cooking class teaching Fano that fast food can be made at home and doesn't have to cost the earth. There's a lot of need out there for Fano. We're helping people understand that things are cheaper if you do it like this. Learning how to make healthy, tasty kai that's also zero waste. It's going quite good. It's lovely as. And here we are. We're doing it. It's the start of an exciting new food education program at Papatuanuku Kokiri Marae in Tamaki Makoto. This is emotional because this is like three years of dreaming of this moment. <laughs> Hello everyone. So today what I'm hoping to do for you guys is I want to give you some freedom, I want to give you some skills, I want to make you feel good about yourself. TV chef Ganesh Raj has teamed up with the Marae to encourage Fano into the farekai. 
and break the habit of eating expensive and unhealthy takeaways. Fast food joints love it because people are going to come back because they're addicted to this food. It's not because it's like it's some sort of, I'll go to my that meal for my fast meal because it's nutritious and I'm getting my, you know, nobody says that. For onions, that'll be the first job. When I say go, that'll be the first job, is chopping the onions, OK? Backed by South Auckland Charity, the Cause Collective, the pilot classes hope to change people's mindset around kai. Food needs to be seen as a medicine or a rongo. Go, 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 go. If we look at food from another perspective where it's something that heals us from within, man, you can't go wrong. Once the patties are ready, I'll show you how to turn it on and then we can start frying it. Raja's food philosophy is about making global food that doesn't break the bank. His recipes are designed to cost 20 bucks to feed a whānau of four. People have always been surprised. It says to me that they've been indoctrinated to think that food is expensive, cooking is expensive. So when something is cheaper than it, they're like, what? You can do that? <laughs> Chefs of all ages and abilities have volunteered to take part in these night classes. Oh, yeah. How often would you cook at home? To be honest, probably two, two days a week. Most of the time it's too lazy or just too tired, too knackered, and then to cook, clean, and everything else at home, it's just, nah, we're just going to go up and get takeaway. The idea behind getting more Fano to cook for themselves is to make things as simple as possible. One pan cooking with everyday pantry ingredients. Potato cakes with beautiful herbs in it, fried rice with vegetables. Around four kilos of flesh from discarded fish frames and heads is being transformed into hearty family meals. We got so much meat off the fish frames with the potatoes, with the fried rice, 20 bucks for four. It's part of the Kaika Fish Rescue Program. Wednesday and Friday, we serve to the community. <laughs> what probably would have went to landfill is now being given to our family who really respect it and really love it. And yeah, you can tell by the lines. Lines of cars queue up. The demand from Fano has grown in popularity as supermarket prices skyrocket. The urban Mangare Marae's vision is to see their Fano flourish. Their Kai Fakahaire Lionel Hotene has also been harvesting crops of veggies and herbs from their extensive community garden to be used in the cooking class. What's cooking tonight? We're cooking corned beef and kumara pasta. Straight from the garden to the table to the puku. With Lionel, we both share this idea on how we'd like to feed people, how we'd like to use as much of the garden as possible at all times. It's like the dream scenario, but it'll feed people that need it. Having someone like Ganesh on board, what does he bring to the kaupapa? He's a ball of energy, eh? People, if you want to see stage two, there's a stage two over here. It's starting to brown up. That's what you're looking for. I feel very um, humbled to have him in our space and, you know, being able to utilise our kitchen. It's a new kitchen, so, you know, perfect timing. Golden brown, golden. It was just like uh, divine intervention, you know? It's a dream come true. And after two test cooks, 
these amateur chefs are giving the sessions rave reviews. Oh, hello. Oh, hello, chef. These guys are... Oh, <laughs> guys. How have you found tonight? It's really good. I've enjoyed it. And this is something we're going to go trial at home because it's under a budget. So, yeah. That's what the marae was intended for, was to you know, be more inclusive of our community and bringing them in and giving them new ideas. And I think it's, it's really exciting. <laughs> it's been <in> their mind. <laughs> What's your hope for the future of this program? My hope is to run it to the end of the year and then put different people through it. We can see that this particular project, we'll see our family, you know, looking after themselves better because it's uh, the ambulance at the top of the hill, you know, cooking, eating well, good diet. Mm. After the break, Heriti Papa Wira to Tirohanga Matua. Skills, skates, and skucks. Wahine Maori flipping the skateboarding script. Mika Thomas has found her lifelong passion in skateboarding. When tragedy struck at the peak of the pandemic, losing her father and job, skating became her escape and therapy. Now she wants more wahine to give it a go. She talked to Mediana Johnson. Grimes, fakies, and of course, a few bales. These wahine skaters are working on landing their latest tricks. Sunskate in East Auckland is the only indoor skate park in the whole country. And tonight, it's the venue for the second ever Hui Nui, a skate meet organised by Māori Girls Skate. I always wanted it to, to be something where everybody's invited, but I wanted Māori wahine in particular to feel celebrated at these events. Yes, we can kick the music off. Let's go, guys. And maybe that brings me back to only seeing blonde, blue-eyed Barbie dolls when I was a kid, but I wanted to see people that looked like me doing things that make me feel like I could do it too. A few years back, Mika Thomas started posting her skating videos online, and that's where she connected with Wellington-based Bailey Maipi and Nelson-based Neri's Ngaruhe. So we made an Instagram page, the, the three of us, to just sort of talk about what it felt like feeling like the only Modi girl skaters at, at the park. I mean, being a girl at the park is one thing, and being a Modi girl skater at the park is an even smaller little niche. The numbers of wahine skaters has grown massively since former professional skater Georgie Matthews first started out over 20 years ago. To be honest, I was probably it, uh, especially in my town. But from back then to now, the amount of support and community in, in, in skateboarding is, is yeah, definitely increased. There's 
more girls skateboarders in the skate parks here than there is boys these days. Why do you think there's so many more wahine skating now? What's changed? One, like social media, like it's now an Olympic sport. It's like publicised a lot more. You've got so many more events. It's a lot bigger. And I think with the girls, you know, we've got a bit more rough, you know, like I think girls are getting the courage to try and take on like an extreme sport. The former world number nine's competition days are behind her now, but she hasn't stopped skating. It's a way of life, I think, for mental health. It helps me whenever I feel anxious or have got a bit of anxiety. You can even just go roll around for a bit, put some music on, or just go skating and listen to the rolling of the wheels. And this is what helped Mika through her darkest days. Her father passed away from diabetes in 2019. And then on top of that, she lost her job because of COVID. A lot of the stress from losing my dad didn't help my state of mind. And then COVID hit, which didn't help anybody's state of mind. And it got so bad to the point where I actually lost all of my hair. All of my hair fell out. I developed alopecia. And skating again sort of got me through that. I realised none of the people I was skating with really give a toss if I've got hair or not. And um, it slowly started to come back and it's been a big part of like my therapy and what makes me feel good and happy to, to be out there again. Her community of Māori skaters also helped her find her roots in Tao Māori. My mother is Dutch, so she comes from Holland. My, my father's Māori, he comes from Kaio up north. And uh, I actually grew up in Namibia, which is in southwest Africa. So I lived there until I was 17 years old with my sister and my parents. It was a small town in a little desert right next to the ocean, which is one of the few parts in the world you can see that epic combination of elements. With her father's health declining and few options for education in the small town, her whānau moved back to Aotearoa, but coming home was also confronting. I knew I was Māori. I could, I could recite the fact of, of what my background was, but I didn't really identify with what that meant. And it wasn't until I did a photo shoot for a friend of mine. She was a travel photographer, and she wanted to photograph some native uh, Māori wahine and um, she wanted me to do a photo with a moku kawai on. I remember after seeing those images, I felt like they looked so powerful and I felt like a fraud, like I couldn't represent this because I didn't know enough about this and I didn't want her to use the images. This sparked a journey of reconnection to her Ngāpui Whakapapa and beginning to learn te reo Māori. So I try and weave as much culture and reo into our sessions as possible and that's helped me feel even more powerful to claim back that side of myself. Ready? Lock it in. Now her passion has grown into a business, skate scene. You got it! It includes school skating programs for kids and all ages workshops and events like Māori Girls Skate. So in the spirit of giving it a go... I'm going to get you a board. And the, and the full kit. <laughs> it's happening. It's happening! <laughs> right, well, no, let's do it. All right, let's do it. So this one goes on here. The back is I'm schooled up on the basics. So jump on. Yeah, there you go. Make sure your toe's not too far in the middle. That's it, that's the spot. All right, let's go. There we go, yes! 
Keep your knees bent, you've got it! The newest honorary member of Māori Girls Game. Mika wants to continue to grow the kaupapa. I want to do more events. I just want to get as much skating out in the community as possible. And any ambitions of doing competitions? Olympics 2024, maybe? <laughs> I would like to see a Māori girl in the Olympics. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's too late for me, but if, if there's anything I can do to help get one there, I'll do it. You'll find links to our stories on our Facebook, YouTube and Twitter accounts or at newshub.co.nz. We end with a delightful ditty from Valkyrie. It's called Te Aroha Kia Koe. Kia mau ki te tūranga o tautapuatea. Hau mie, huie.
Nā te puna whakatonga rewa, te hui i tautoko.